Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Reverend Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from the first epistle of the Apostle Peter, chapters 4, verses 12 through 14, and chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Lord, we are physically separated and yet gathered together with you this morning. Today we seek guidance from your word that we may see your light, that we may discover your peace, that we may be a witness to your love in your world through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. 1 Peter 4, verses 12 through 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you are sharing Christ's sufferings, so that you may be also glad and shout for joy when his glory is revealed. If you are not reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory, which is the spirit of God, is resting on you. 1 Peter 5 verses 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, the Lord be with you and God bless you. And thank you for joining us in worship today. Before we come to the scriptures that were just read for us, I, I do want to take a moment to thank each of you for being so resilient in your commitment and your faith and your service to God during these very difficult times. I know it's been a while since we've been together as a community of faith on a Sunday morning and yet I just believe in my heart that God is doing something special through all of our hardships. I believe that we as a church we're going to emerge from these difficulties a changed and a stronger church and I'm asking you to believe God with me that this will happen. We become stronger not by a life of ease but by a life of struggle. And I know God's going to use all these struggles to do something special among us as we keep serving God in the city of Evanston. 
I also want to thank many of you for sending questions and your comments about scripture as you've been reading them to me and to other members of the staff. What it says to me is that you are reading Holy Scripture. I'll be the first to admit that 1 Peter is a very challenging book to read. It has some true zingers in it, and there are no easy answers. But don't let that discourage you. You keep reading God's Word. If anything, allow Scripture to humble you and say, you must say to yourself when you encounter these difficulties, I have so much to learn. There is still so much for me to learn. And keep plowing in and keep reading, keep studying, keep learning and studying Holy Scripture because that is the sign of a healthy Christian. If you have no interest in Scripture, it's a sign that there is some ill health in your spiritual life. The sign that we're healthy is that we're digging into Scripture. So let me just encourage you to keep engaging with Holy Scripture. So as we come to the end of our time in Peter's letter, I must admit that I wish the letter ended with that familiar line, and they lived happily ever after. But I know many of you have read the book, you are reading the book, and you know that it doesn't have a fairy tale ending. In fact, Josh Liebman, in his book, Hope for Man, says that statement, and they lived happily ever after, is one of the most tragic sentences in literature. And he says it's tragic because it tells a big lie about life. And it has led countless generations of people to expect something from human existence which is not possible on this fragile, imperfect earth. This is so true of the churches in northern and central Turkey. This is so true of the churches that populate Evanston and Chicago and around the world, that until Jesus returns, God's people will struggle to live in a now and not yet world. God's people will struggle as they live in a fragile, imperfect world. Some people call it the tensions between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of this world. And we know that the kingdom of God is here, right? Because Jesus, when he walked this earth, one of the first sermons he preached, he said, repent, because the kingdom of God is here. And Jesus, through his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension, and through the sending of the Holy Spirit, confirmed to us that the kingdom of God is here. But then as we look around the world, as we look at the state of our lives and the state of our nation, we know that even though the kingdom is here, it's not here in its totality. We look at the evening news, the killings, the murders, the violence, the hate, the greed, the corruption, the typhoons, the tornadoes, they tell us that something is wrong. The whole earth is groaning and waiting for the fullness and the return of Jesus Christ. And I think that's what Peter wants to help us with today. That's what he's helping the churches in, in Asia Minor to contend with. And he does it by drawing what I think is a very helpful distinction between the things we cannot control and what we can control. Or to say it another way, I think Peter is drawing a distinction between what happens to us and how we respond, what we choose to do when things go south in our lives and in the world. So what are the things that we can't control? Well, Peter says, for example, in chapter 4 and verse 12, 
He says you can't control when trials and difficulties will come into your life. Notice what he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that is taking place among you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. And if you read the letter, you'll remember that Peter cites three sources of fire and ordeals and sufferings that can come into our lives. Number one, he says, sometimes we suffer and it's because we caused it. We caused it by the way we live and the choices we make and the things we say. We break God's law and we bring suffering on ourselves. He says sometimes we suffer because it's caused by others. There are people out there who are enemies of Christ. There are people out there who will simply hate you because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. I read a very troubling article in Christianity Today last week about Christians in Nigeria who are being tar targeted by the terrorist group Boko Haram. These Christians in northern Nigeria didn't do anything to this terrorist group. They didn't say anything about them. But this group decided that we're going to get rid of the Christians so that we can elevate Islam. Well, Christians in northern Nigeria are dying. Pastors are being assassinated. Churches are being burned. And the Christians there now are crying out, Lord, how long must we count it all joy? Because that's what the scriptures in James tell Christians to do. They should count it all joy when they go through various trials. And they say, how long should we do this? We're suffering. We have no more, we have no more cheeks to turn. We've turned the left. We've turned the right. Jesus, we've done exactly what you told us to do. And we're still suffering. Suffering comes when others bring pain into our lives. But the other source of suffering comes from invisible spiritual forces. And we see that in chapter 5 and verse 8 where Peter describes Satan like a roaring lion. He's your adversary, the devil, who prowls around looking for someone to devour. In my theology, Satan is not a figure of mythology. He's not a myth. Scripture describes the devil as a deceiver, a serpent, a dragon, a usurper. He tempted Jesus. He's here described as a lion who goes around looking for Christians to devour. He attacks the church. And I believe what's happening in northern Nigeria, what's happening in North Korea and in Iran, and even here in America, what's happening all over the world, one of the sources of difficulty and suffering for the church is that Satan, like a roaring lion, is attacking the church, tempting the church, seducing the church, because he hates Christians. He wants to totally control, totally destroy, totally distort the good and the beautiful and the true that God has created. And that's why Jesus called him the father of lies. He comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. So what is Peter doing in talking about these sources of difficulties and trials? I think what Peter is doing is that he's normalizing trials and troubles and persecutions and he's saying, listen, this is part of the journey. If you sign up, if you pick up your cross and you follow Jesus, know that you're going to go through some tough times. And I think this is why he keeps referencing Jesus. Whenever Peter mentions difficulties and trials and troubles, he references Jesus as an example. Peter, in chapter 5 and verse 1, calls himself an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. 
chapter 4 verse 13 Peter says but rejoice because when you suffer you are sharing Christ's sufferings Peter was there on the day when Jesus said if anyone wants to become my my follower a disciple let that person deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me brothers and sisters there are things we cannot control and this last week we witnessed the torrential downpour of rain and for a moment Judith and I thought we were gonna have to start building an ark because the rain wouldn't stop you couldn't control the rain I couldn't control the rain some of you have water in your basement your basement was flooded the basement at the church was flooded and there's nothing we can do about the power of that water suffering is a normal part of this side of eternity and Peter wants us to get that don't be surprised don't wallow in self-pity don't fall into the trap of the false gospel the prosperity gospel that says Christians are to enjoy all the material comforts and Christians will transcend all the hardships of this life don't believe that that is not true and this is why Peter says if you are reviled when you are reviled for the name of Christ you are blessed because the spirit of glory which is the spirit of God is resting on you we cannot control what is happening to us but Peter says there is one thing we can control and this is the last thing I want to talk to you about. This is the second thing I want to talk to you about. It is our response to the things that happen to us. You see, I happen to believe that when God created us, God did not create robots. God did not create predetermined beings. And for those people who get angry with God, for those people who say, well, I'm never going to serve God anymore because I prayed earnestly for something, for God to do something. I only asked God for one thing, I've heard people say, and God didn't do it, and so I'm not going to trust God anymore. God clearly isn't a good God. To those people I say, listen, God did not create robots. God did not create predetermined beings. Sin and suffering came into the world because of choice, choices that we made. He said, well, why did God create us that way? Well, if God created us to be robots, then the love that we would give to God would simply be love that is programmed into us. God created us with the ability to choose to love. We're not robots. We can choose to allow our hardships to define us, or we can choose to allow our hardships to refine us and change us into more compassionate people. I think about that statement from the book of Joshua in Joshua chapter 24 verses 14 and 15 where Joshua says these words, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. We have a choice to make who we're going to serve and Joshua says, as for me and my house, we are choosing to serve the Lord. The thing we must remember, friends, is that none of us are immune from life's tragic moments. We cannot control what will happen to us in this life, but we can choose how we will react to what's happening inside us and around us. I remember back in 2013 when a Category 4 tornado came through Washington, Illinois, killed people. The tornado took the lives of many. 
A thousand properties were wiped out. A reporter from CNN, I'll never forget this, a reporter from CNN was interviewing one of the local residents who had lost everything. The man named, man's name was Mr. Butcher. And this man told the nation that within 30 seconds of going down to the basement, the tornado, the tornado came barreling through and he lost everything. He said the next minute or so, he and his wife were either going to be in heaven or he would walk out alive. Well, they did survive. But he said when he came out of the lower part of the house, not even a stick of furniture was left. It took everything except the decking. What Mr. Butcher was admitting to the nation is that he did not have the power to control a tornado. Everything was taken. But here is where he made a choice. He and his wife said, here is what we can control. The tornado reminded him that nothing lasts forever, that life is temporary. He said his wife then reminded him of the words of an old song. And this is a song that I sang when I was a younger Christian in Jamaica. He said, listen, the things that I love and hold dear to my heart, they're just borrowed. They're not mine at all. When my children were born, my wife and I said, Jesus, these children are not mine. You have loaned them to us to raise them so they can know you and love you and follow you. Jesus, the money that you've given me, it's not mine at all. Jesus, the car that you've given me, the place where I lay my head every day, the clothes on my back, all these things, they're borrowed. They're not mine at all. And then the song continues, Jesus only let me use them to brighten my life. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. This couple lost everything. And yet this couple still chose to put their trust in God. And you know the story of the Bible. It's all about choosing, Adam and Eve choosing to sin. Cain choosing to kill his brother. Nebuchadnezzar choosing to be proud and pompous. We can choose anger. We can choose impatience. We can face life's hardships bitter. We can choose violence instead of choosing a life of peace. But Peter gives us a range of choices that people can make, that people can engage in when they're facing any number of hardships. No matter what is happening in your life right now, Peter is saying to us, you can still choose how you're going to respond. And there are four things Peter says you can choose. Number one, it's in verses five, chapter 5, verse 6. Peter says you can choose humility in the face of your hardships. He says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you in due time. There's no better place to be but under the mighty hand of God. And only those who are humble, only those who are willing to admit they don't know how they're going to get out of these difficulties. God, would you help me? The Bible says God will exalt you 
in due time. You see, humility is not passivity. It is not weakness. It is trusting and relying and submitting to God. The second choice you can make is in chapter 5, verse 7. I call it implicit trust. When you're going through difficult times, Peter says, here's what you can control. You can choose, Peter says, to cast all your anxiety on Jesus, on God, because he cares for you. Now, some of us, when we're going through difficult times, we cast our anxieties on others. We cast our anxieties to to others, people that we think can help us. And Peter says, you can make the choice to cast all your cares, all your anxieties on God because he cares for you. No matter what is going on, that is a choice you can make. And I hope you'll make that choice. Here's the third choice Peter says you can make. As you are living in a now and not yet world, you can exercise self-control. Listen to what he says in chapter 5 and verse 8. Discipline yourselves and keep alert. Don't go to sleep. Why? The church has an adversary called the devil. He's prowling all around like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. Remain steadfast in your faith. Discipline yourself. Here's the fourth choice and the last choice that you can make. You can take a stand. Because as the devil is going around seeking to devour seeking to undo what God is doing. As life keeps being turned upside down in your life, Peter says you must take a stand. Resist him. Be steadfast in your faith. And here's why. For you know that your brothers and sisters in the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And isn't that true today of what's happening in the world? You could turn the news on. You could go online and visit any country in the world and you will find that the people in those parts of the world, they're going through the same difficulties that we're going through. Solidarity, taking a stand together, that's a choice that we can make. There's so much going on, right, in our lives. And I know for a fact, people in Jamaica that we know, and people in Pennsylvania that we know, and people right here in Chicago, are dealing with death, dealing with suicide, dealing with violence, dealing with depression, dealing with divorce, dealing with family conflict and family breakdown, dealing with verbal abuse and loneliness and unforgiveness and bitter memories and failures and financial strains. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we can choose what we're going to do with those hardships. We can, we can take these things and cause them to become the paradigm through which we live our lives. And when you do that, you become a victim. Or you can choose to see your life in the hand of God, under the hand of God. And you can choose humility. And you can choose trust. And you can choose to be disciplined and you can choose to take a stand and be in solidarity with others. And when you do that, that's a whole new paradigm. You become a victor. And friends, I don't want to become a victim. There are things I can control, but I'm not going to allow those things to victimize me. I'm choosing to be a victor. I invite you, join me in becoming an overcomer. 
And then finally notice what he says in verses 10 and 11. Because after you have suffered for a little while, and friends, in the economy of God, suffering is temporal. It doesn't last forever. The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory, will do this. God himself will restore you. God will support you. God will strengthen you. And God will establish you. To him be the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the posture of faith. All our troubles won't last forever. Christ is coming again. And God will restore and support and strengthen and establish you. I believe this with all my heart. And I'm believing this for you. That as you're being attacked, you are going to be a resilient Christian and follower of Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God's people say amen.